You are listening to audio from Hyde Park Baptist Church. You can join us each Sunday morning at 1045 Eastern Standard Time at hydepark.online.church. Turn to Matthew chapter 6, if you don't mind. Matthew chapter 6, and uh, we're going to pick back up where we were a couple of weeks ago. And we're going to take a look at the model prayer. And as I told you a few weeks ago that the disciples, when they approached Jesus and asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, uh, they had not heard praying quite like what they heard from Jesus. And that's what prompted them to ask him to teach them how to pray. And Jesus gives this model prayer, and we often refer to this as the Lord's Prayer, and and certainly in one respect it's that. If you you really want to see the Lord's Prayer, you, you need to read John 17. But what he provides for us here is a model. And in this model, he provides us basically a baseline for what should be part of our prayer life. And the part that we're going to deal with today is probably the part of this prayer that quite frankly, I'm not so sure that we can, we wrap our arms around it very well. So much so that I was going to be in a completely different Psalm. We're going to be in Psalm 20 this morning. My plans were to be in Psalm 147. But the Lord showed me that I didn't have a clear understanding of what this phrase even means in a model prayer. So he completely changed the direction of where I was going with this. And uh, when the Lord does that, I prefer that he does it earlier in the week. (laughs) But the Lord, the Lord can do whatever he wants because make no mistake about it, what happens in this place on Sunday mornings and any other time in our life, that's his business, not mine. So if the Lord steps in and says, no, you ain't doing that, guess what I'm going to do? I'm not doing that. I'm doing something else. Um, I appreciate the fact that, that the Lord speaks. The question is, are we willing to listen? There are a lot of statements in the English language we don't use a lot anymore. That actually, if you use them, they are a little bit odd. For example, you go to someone and ask them, where's your payphone? You might get an odd look. You just don't see payphones anymore, right? Or, or here's one for you. Can I borrow an encyclopedia? I need to look something up. Now, that's for those, I don't know, north of 45, 50 that's going to get that one. My, my mom and dad used to buy all those big world encyclopedia sets. They still got them, by the way. Here's one for you. Hey, let's go down to Blockbuster and rent a movie. Uh, Blockbuster is no more, but boy, that used to be the hot place in town about every Thursday and Friday night, Right? And kind of piggybacked off of that, here's one, hey, did you rewind that? We don't want to get a rewind fee. (laughs) Now, again, for those of you north of 45, 50, you know what I'm talking about. For those, you know, sub 30, 25, 30, you're like, what's he talking about? Well, here's the thing. You're in a video, a VHS tape from Blockbuster. If you took it back and you didn't rewind it, they would charge you for it. So we're always asking the question, did you rewind it before you took it back? Well, Look at the Lord's Prayer, and I want to give you a phrase this morning that I'm not so sure that we, um, well, that we're wrapping our arms around very well. Verse 9 in Matthew chapter 6, he says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then here it is, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. I'm wondering if we just don't float right over that. 
Do we really understand what Jesus is asking us to pray in this model prayer right here? Well, first of all, the whole phrase of give us this, our, give us this day our daily bread is an odd statement in and of itself because you and I, at the very most practical level, at the most literal level of reading this, you might come across with the idea of going, well, I can go to the store and buy a loaf of bread for a dollar. I mean, even, even in those moments of hurricanes uh, and even pandemics, the beginning, beginning of it, you would go into the store and the, the shelves would be empty of bread, but usually you could find something. You could find some hot dog buns or some hamburger buns or something. So the idea of daily bread, asking God for daily bread, just that idea in and of itself is foreign to our culture, but not to Jesus's, not in the day that he mentioned this. In Jesus' day, making bread was a big deal. And in most of the people who were hearing Jesus speak, in all these towns and everywhere that he was speaking, to have bread, to be able to have the ingredients to make bread was a big deal. As you know, they didn't have a local Walmart to go down and give a dollar and buy a loaf of bread. It was a large amount of work. It took all the necessary ingredients, which they may not have. But Jesus' prayer, this model prayer, is just as applicable to us as it was them. Even though we go to the store and buy bread, we just need to rethink what we know or what we think we know about this particular verse. And that's what happened to me this week. As I'm leaning into one psalm and did all the work on this one psalm, God steps in later in the week and says, no, you ain't doing that because you don't understand what this verse is even about. And I'm like, yes, Lord, I don't. What does it mean? To ask God for daily bread. Why did, why did he use that phrase of all phrases? Well, this is the most practical thing in the day of, of the life of a person that was hearing Jesus speak. Where is my next meal going to come from? You see, you and I in our culture, we're not as worried about that as most cultures in the world are. If you, if you opened your cabinet this morning to a box of Cheerios, you're better off than 75% of the world's population. Did you know that? If you had fresh water running out of your sink this morning that you could drink right out of the tap, you're better than 75% of the people in this world. That the majority of this world, when they got up this morning, they have no idea where their first meal or their second meal, or even if they're going to have a meal at all today. So you and I are in the culture in which we live, even if, even if you're more on the scale of poverty than, than others, you still have access to bread. So the idea being, God, give me my my needs for today, I'm afraid, has gotten a little foreign in our mind. Bread was the most practical thing needed for survival. It was the most practical thing, but in Jesus' day, a very difficult thing to come by. So when Jesus says we're to ask for our daily bread, does he mean food? Yes, he means food. But he means a whole lot more than just bread. You see, I'm convinced there are two reasons why we don't pray that kind of prayer. Two reasons. Number one, we have become very self-sufficient. Do you know why people in, in foreign countries, uh, places where they don't have as much as we have, do you know why their churches are so dependent on prayer? Do you know why when you go into any other culture in the world where, where maybe the gospel is not welcome, maybe where God's word is not readily available, maybe there are people in charge who are against the gospel and against God's word, do you know why those churches are so steeped in prayer. Do you know why the prayer life of those churches is so strong and so powerful? It's because they don't have a plan B. What do I mean by that? 
If God doesn't intervene, if God doesn't act, if God doesn't provide, if God doesn't provide the meal for that day, there is no meal. So there is complete and utter dependence on him. And they know that there's self-sufficiency. Well, it's non-existent. Because they can't pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. They, they can't just work harder to get more. They literally may be in a situation where their meal is coming from a refuse dump. And they're completely dependent upon God providing for them. And they know what it's like to walk that knife edge between having nothing and God intervening. So the first problem that we struggle with is that we struggle with self-sufficiency. We, we believe that if we want things done, we just got to do it ourselves. Now, we may add God into that because we're good Christians, right? But what we will do is we will depend upon ourselves. We will do everything we can do. We will, we will put our hands to the plow. We'll do the work. We'll do everything we need to do. And we'll just leave God out of the equation until when? Well, until it all crashes and burns. Or until you're put into a situation that's bigger than you can handle. So in this mindset, self-sufficiency, uh, we use God as kind of like that spare tire in the back of the car. We don't even think about it until things get out of control. Then we run to God. But that's not what he's talking about in this model prayer. He says, our daily bread. Give me my needs today. God, I am dependent upon you today. You see, this model prayer, this statement, goes directly to the heart of our self-sufficiency. But there's a second problem, a second reason we don't pray this kind of prayer. It's because of doubt. We don't really believe that God is either interested or that he's going to come through. So at the core of our issue with give us this day our daily bread is either self-sufficiency or mistrusting God. Maybe you asked him for something years ago, and in your mind, he didn't come through on that. So there is an overwhelming feeling of doubt that is in your heart and in your mind. There are instances of, of people praying for some pretty odd things throughout the Bible. When you, when you read the Bible as a whole, and you look at what people are asking God for, even in the Psalms, which we're going to turn to in just a moment, it blows my mind what I see people like David, God's people, asking God for. And what it does is it reminds me that God is absolutely, intimately interested in what's going on in your life, even the smallest of things, things in our mind that are just really small things, God's interested in those things. Turn over to Psalm 20. I want to give you an example of this. I told you that the disciples, when they think about prayer, when they were hearing Jesus pray, they would have thought about the Psalms because they were taught as Jewish men that these Psalms of David, these Psalms of Asaph, these Psalms of Korah, these are, these are how we can join in with the patriarchs of old in prayer. We can see what they went through. We can see their emotional difficulties, their struggles, their pains, their joys, their victories. And they would have memorized these psalms. They would have lifted these psalms up as their own prayers. But here's the question I've got for you. If God is inviting us to ask, and I'm going to show you that today, that God is in fact inviting us to ask about daily bread, about daily needs, about the things that you're facing today, the question is, are you asking or have you stopped? And if you've stopped, which is it? Is it self-sufficiency or is it doubt that's caused you to stop? The reason I want to go to Psalm 20 is I want you to see what the folks here are requesting of God. Now, this psalm is interesting. It's, it's unique. This is a psalm of David, 
But he's writing down in this psalm what he's hearing his people pray on behalf of him. So here's David, the strong and powerful king. As a matter of fact, David is the great king, the king who has a heart after God. David, I don't know what point in the journey of his kingship this is, but apparently it's at a time where his kingdom was unified, probably powerful, probably facing a lot of different challenges. And what we have here in Psalm 20 is the people of David's kingdom, maybe his inner core, maybe, maybe those leaders, maybe those people that he had given responsibility to, this is what they're asking God for on behalf of David and the kingdom. And David records it. And then we get down in verse 6, and we hear David speak in the middle of the psalm. And then it reverts back to what the people are saying. So here's what I want us to do. If God is inviting us to ask, then let's take a look at what these folks were asking God for. And here's what you're going to find. You're going to find some things here that may surprise you of what they asked God for on behalf of the king. Let's look at verse 1. This is Psalm 20, verse 1. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all of your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant your heart's desire and fulfill all of your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God set up our banners. And may the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Father in heaven, we want to pause now. We want to pause now. We want to practice exactly what we're reading. The Father, if we're going to ask for a daily bread, what does that mean right now in this moment? Father, we're asking for your power and presence here. We're asking, Father, for your word to go forth and find fertile soil in the hearts of the people. Father, we are asking that, that we could hear from you this morning. We are asking, Father, that you would move in the hearts of people. We're asking, Father, that during this time that, that we've set apart to focus our attention on you corporately, that, Father, you could do a mighty work in the hearts of your people. And, Father, we ask that uh, for the needs of each individual in this room, Father, some needs in this room are for healing. Some needs in this room are for restoration. Some needs, Lord, are to help with grief. Some needs, Father, in this room are people who are, who are seeking forgiveness. And, Father, for some in this room, it's to experience your love fresh and anew in their life. Father, there are many, many, many more we could name, but these are some that we are completely dependent on you for. So, Lord, in this moment, we will not seek to be self-sufficient. And in this moment, we will not doubt your power or your ability to meet every one of those needs. So we ask all this in the strong and powerful name of Christ. Amen. So listen to what the people are praying. I, I kind of rephrase this a little bit to kind of show you what they're asking the Lord for. So here's what they asked first. They said, Lord, answer us. They're right out of the gate. They say, may the Lord answer you. They're praying this prayer on behalf of David and the kingdom. And the first request they've got is, Lord, just answer us. Lord, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear your guidance. We, we need your voice. Maybe that's a prayer you need to pray. Maybe, instead of running to our lists 
of things that we're praying on behalf of someone else. And listen, I know that many of you pray diligently. You've got strong prayer lives. And in your prayers, what you're doing is you're asking for everyone else's needs because you've got a long list of things that they need. But what about you? What are you asking God to do in your life? And maybe the first thing we need to ask God for is that he will answer us. That seems kind of profound, doesn't it? Did you know that God has a lot he wants to say to you? To you? Yes, he's intimately concerned about your friends and your family who are dealing with COVID, about those who are teaching school that you've been praying for, those in the hospitals that you've been praying for, that, that person you've been praying for, your coworker. He is concerned about it. But let me tell you what he's really concerned about in that moment when you're surrendered to him. He's concerned about you. And he wants more than anything else for you to express what your needs are that are on your heart. And maybe one of those needs is we need to hear from the Lord. My goodness, do we need to hear from the Lord. When you hear from the Lord, it'll mess your world up. It'll wreck your world. It'll, it'll bring you to a place of surrender. It'll bring you to a place of humility. And, and, and the people praying on behalf of David are saying, God, we need to hear from you. Notice what else he says. He says, may the name of God, may the name of the God of Jacob protect you. Maybe you need some protection. Maybe there are people that are just wrecking your life from the outside. Maybe there are people at work that are causing you pain. Maybe there are people in your life who are causing you to worry and stress, and you just need some protection. You need some respite from it all. Well, maybe it's time to ask God for some protection. There were people looking to do David harm. There were people looking to do his kingdom harm. Notice what else he says. May you send help from the sanctuary. In other words, send us help. Lord, send me some help. Do you need some help this morning? Teachers, do you need some help with that kindergarten class and they're having to wear a mask? Do you need some help at work? At that plant that you go and report to every day and, and there's so many people depending on you to do your job and do it well, but you quite frankly, you feel like the tank is empty. Have we stopped and have we simply asked God for our daily bread and daily bread in this moment may mean, God, I need your help. I'm out of, I'm out of options here. I'm out of options on my marriage. I'm out of options for my grandkids. I'm out of options for my kids. I'm out of options when my, when my expenses are exceeding my income. I'm out of options. Lord, send me help. In whatever form you want to take that, Lord, send me help. I am not trying to fix this myself. I am not trying to pull myself out of this mess. Lord, I am completely dependent on you. Do you get where we're going here? <laughs> Boy, I needed this this week. Mm. Man, I'm glad he took me to this song. He says, Lord, send help from the sanctuary. In David's mind, in the people's mind, that was the temple. In our mind, guess where that is? That's the throne room of heaven. God, send me help for the very presence of your throne room. Look what else he says here in verse 2. He says, and give you support from Zion. Lord, not only send us help, but give us strength. Send us help. Send us support. Lord, not only do I need your help, but I need your support. There, there, there are two different things there, right? Lord, I need your help. Intervene. But Lord, I need some support. I need, to, I need to have my feet firmly planted where they need to be planted because I'm telling you something, Lord, I'm about to waver here. I, I, I'm, about, I'm about to step back from all of this. I'm about to pull back. Lord, I need your support. I need your strength. I need your help. 
He says, give support from Zion. That would have meant the temple. That would have meant Jerusalem, the city of God, where God's presence dwelled among his people. Verse 3, look at this. (laughs) This may sound, well, a little crass, but let's look at it. Verse 3, may he remember all your offerings in regard with favor, your burnt sacrifices. The psalmist, David, records what the people are praying on behalf of David. And here's what they say. God, remember all that David has done. Remember what David has gone through. Lord, remember David's commitment to the kingdom work. God, remember where you brought David from. He was just a shepherd's boy at age 15. And, and you called him and anointed him to be king. And then he spent 13, 14, 15 years on the run from Saul. And Lord, you brought him out of that. In this statement, he says, Lord, the people say, Lord, remember where you've brought David from. Remember all that you've done in his life. Remember all the sacrifices and all that he's done. Is it okay for you to say to God, God, in this moment of what I need, I need your help, I need your support, I need your presence, I need your power, I need your help. Lord, would you remember, would just remember where you've brought me from? Lord, that was your work. You brought me out of a merry pit of sin and disobedience, and you gave, my, you gave me salvation. You gave me a purpose. And, Lord, I have, there have been times in my life where I have sacrificed my life on behalf of your kingdom. So, Lord, in account with what I'm asking you for, could you just remember those times that I got it right? It's pretty powerful, isn't it? There's some times, Christian, that you've gotten it right. Now, you know me, and oftentimes in sermons, what do we end up doing? We end up beating you down, right? We're talking about where we've gotten it wrong, but but there's been some times you've gotten it right. You've done exactly the right things with the right motivation, and what David is hearing from his people is saying, God, remember what David has done, and on on the basis of what David has done, meet his needs. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all, but it does sound kind of foreign, doesn't it? He says in verse 4, Lord, give us the desires of our heart. And we have to be careful here. And this is the whole point of what Jesus is teaching us in the model prayer. What do we pray first in that model prayer? Your will be done. Not my kingdom, but your kingdom's will be done. Lord, we hallow your name, not our own. He says, may he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. Lord, give us our heart's desire. And Lord, make our plans successful. Lord, I'm, I'm going to, I am going to bring Jesus up on my lunch break today. And, and Lord, I know that lines up with your will. I know that's what you've called me to do. So Lord, help my plan to be successful. What does success look like? Well, that this person will hear about Jesus and move towards surrendering life to Christ. When the desires of our heart line up with the desires of God, We can pray, Lord, grant our heart's desires. When our heart's desires line up with his heart, we can pray that. Prayer is what helps align our hearts to what God is wanting to do. Being in his word, corporate worship, individual worship, all those things align us with what God is wanting in our life. And we have this intimate relationship where we know what God wants of us and we understand through his word what God has called us to. So we, we pray back to God what God is already saying, hey, this is what I want to do. But we don't always do that, do we? 
Sometimes we just simply just pray the desires of our heart. And I believe in this psalm, in this prayer, there are probably people asking for things that probably don't line up with God's will, but guess what they're doing? They're asking anyway. God can always say no, but they're asking. Notice what else he says. He says, may we shout for joy over your salvation. In the name of our God, set up our banners. Lord, give us victory through your power. And then when we have victory, let's celebrate it. How many times have you asked that? Lord, give me success. Give me the desires of my heart when my heart lines up with yours. And Lord, let's shout over your salvation. And when salvation comes, when you speak, when you intervene, when you move, when you work, Lord, I want to celebrate that. I want to celebrate the victory. I know it was your victory, but I got the benefit from it. So these people praying on behalf of David is the shout for joy over our salvation. And let's set up our banners. And then finally, he says, may the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Did you get that? Lord, I need you to move in this situation. No matter how small it is, no matter how big it is. Do you see what these people are praying on behalf of David? They're simply asking. And they're asking out of their current life situation. They're simply saying, God, we need you here. God, we need you to do this. Now, they don't, maybe they don't completely understand. They may not know exactly what God's will is, but that doesn't prevent them from asking. They simply ask. God, move in these petitions. God, do something amazing and powerful in these requests. Lord, I ask you because you have invited me to ask. The Lord has invited you to ask. Turn back over to Matthew. Turn back over to Matthew 7 real quick. I want you to see where Jesus makes this as clear and as plain as possible about asking. It's right after the model prayer, as a matter of fact. So right after the model prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, this is what Jesus says about praying and asking. Now, this is about as clear as it could possibly get. Look at verse 7. In chapter 7 of Matthew, he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Did you get that? I mean, there's nothing weird going on in the Greek language here. What you have in the Greek is exactly what you have in English. The Lord is saying to us as disciples, ask, seek, knock. Verse 9, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, we've had a correction over the years due to the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel are churches and pastors and teachers who are teaching that, that you just ask Jesus and he is obligated to give you a BMW or a bank account full of money and you have to ask vigorously and you have to do it over and over again. And, and, and in response to that, our, the, for those of us who take a different theological position that we understand that asking is within God's will and that God is not subservient to us. 
The prosperity gospel takes God and makes him as some kind of like slot machine in heaven or some kind of like Santa Claus where we put our request and if he doesn't give them to us, then we have to do more and more work and we have to do more and more things. But we deserve and we should get this kind of money and these kinds of things. Well, if that gospel won't preach in Africa, it shouldn't be preached in America. So we have overcorrected in our response to the prosperity gospel. And when we come to a text like this, we feel obligated to kind of explain it away, to take away the force of it. But the reality is, and God's word speaks very clearly, Jesus says, you come and you ask. And you seek me and you knock and you ask for your daily bread, whatever that may be for your life. Maybe it is a loaf of bread, or maybe, maybe it's some pain that you experienced 20 years ago. And we've asked for everyone else's request, but we haven't asked the Lord not even a single time for what's going on with us. And while I think prayer lists are great and I think they're important, here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid those prayer lists for everyone else is taking the place of us having intimacy with Jesus, talking about what's really going on with us. Wouldn't it be just like us to talk about everybody else's stuff rather than our own? Wouldn't that be just like us? It would be me. But you know what Jesus is concerned about? Asking, seeking, knocking. He says, what earthly father would ever give someone a stone when they're asking for bread? Well, if an evil father could give bread to his son, then think about what our heavenly father can give in response to our asking. Asking God is more than just getting our needs met. I, I, here's where we're going to go next. I want us to see this. That asking God is more than just getting our needs met. Asking God is what's going to help us deal with that self-sufficiency and that doubt that we've got lingering in our heart. Prayer is talking to God about what we want, but it's also accepting what he gives. Prayer is talking to God about what we need, what we, what we desire, but it's also being willing to accept what God is going to give. So the Lord says, ask. Are you asking? It's predicated on what happens next in the psalm. So go back to Psalm 20. So now David is going to speak. The people have been speaking on behalf of David, and they've been offering their petitions. Now David is going to step into the psalm, and he's going to speak. And I want you to hear what he says. So all these requests have been made, and then David says this, now I know. Did you get that? Underline that, highlight that, draw some, I don't know, parentheses around that. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. The basis of which we are called to ask is the reality that God will and can and does intervene. Listen, folks, we're not just going to God and listing all these prayer requests on behalf of someone else and ourselves and getting up from that prayer request or that prayer time and, and, and walking away as though God is powerless to do anything about it. Jesus says, ask him for daily bread. 
Now, Jesus doesn't do that just because he wants us to say some words over and over again. Jesus doesn't say that just to get us to go through some kind of model of prayer to where we just pray these words without any expectation of Jesus doing anything. Here is the problem with the American church. We've become so self-sufficient that we will even go through the motions of prayer and get up from that prayer time not expecting God to do a single thing. That's a terrible thing to consider, is it not? David says, here's the basis for asking right here. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. We gain confidence. Listen, if you're lacking confidence in God, where do we find that confidence? By asking God for our daily bread. It goes right to the heart of our self-sufficiency, and it also goes right to the heart of our doubt because of what happens when we begin to ask God for our needs, and God begins to move. Because we're not just offering winds, we're not just offering words to the air here. These words are going into the very throne room of God. Jesus Christ, our righteous advocate who stands between us and God, is pleading our case before God. The Holy Spirit is, is, is living inside of us who gives us words to the daily needs that we have. And not only that, when we don't even have the words to say, the Holy Spirit steps in and utters a prayer on our behalf. All of that is happening in that moment that we are asking God for daily bread. So don't think for a minute these are just words that we're throwing out. These words are going into the very throne room of God, and God God is taking those requests and he's moving and he's acting and he's doing all things according to his purposes and his will. David says, I know this. I know that he's going to save the anointed. See that word anointed? It's actually a reference to the Messiah himself. David in the line of Messiah. David knew who he was. David knew what he'd been called to do. David knew he was the king for this moment. He also knew enough to know that God had given him covenant promises and that God would never ever fail in those promises. He says, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. Now, the, there's another issue going to come to bear here. We'll get to it in just a moment. But I want you to see that David understands who he is. He understands what he's called to do. He understands who God is. And based off of the prayers that the people have been offering on the, in the name of David, David says, I know who I am. I know to whom I belong. And it's in him that I trust. It's in him that I can go to with my request. Not only is David integral to the Messiah who's coming, but, but in our walk with Jesus, we have covenant promises to us. We know who we are. We've been adopted. We've been set free. We've been justified. We've been made righteous. And it's through Christ that we can come to him with confidence and ask for daily bread. Father, we ask that our hearts and our minds now as we lead into this song and we consider that Jesus is the center of it all. That in that moment, we would realize that Jesus has asked us to come and ask. And Father, as your children, through what Jesus has accomplished for us, Father, I pray that as we sing this song and we worship together, that we would see Jesus as the center of it all. And that we can approach him with our deepest needs, our daily bread, and simply ask.
Father, have your will and your ways. In your name we pray. Amen. So why does Jesus need to be the center in respect to our daily request for bread? Look at what verse 7 tells us. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They, meaning chariots and horses, collapse and fall. But we, we who trust in the name of the Lord our God, we rise and stand upright. Did you, you get the contrast here? You, you, you have a choice in this. And if you're not asking Jesus for your daily needs, whatever they may be, you've already made your choice. You're trusting in horses and chariots. You're trusting in money and your own ability. You're trusting in what you can do and what you bring to the table. And you're going to keep doing that until God allows a mess to come in your life. And that mess is designed for you. It is passed through the hands of God. That mess that you're in very well may have as its purpose to get you to quit trusting in chariots and horses and to trust in the God who will stand you upright. Because see, you have a choice and you're choosing every day. The self-sufficiency and the doubt that I talked about, the two, the two issues that, that takes us away from asking God for those daily needs, they will collapse and fall. You see, you're going to run to something. That's the point. When the trouble comes, you're going to run to something. What are you running to? What are you hoping is going to be able to raise you up and stand you upright? I think you know what it is. Could it be that pride is what's preventing us from really becoming intimate with Jesus? What I mean by intimate is that Jesus already knows what's on your heart. He already knows what the troubles is. He's, uh, he's just simply asking you to ask him to be real about what's real in your life, to be honest about what the real problem is. Could it be that pride is keeping us from that? Yes. Could it be that we're simply doubting that God will even come through? Well, there is page after page after page after page of Scripture that says that God is faithful. You've got people sitting all around you. I could Listen, we could spend the whole morning in testimonies just like what you heard. Marriages that have been healed. Addictions that have been broken. Prodigal children that have come home. As I look around this room, I see those stories. Every week I get to work with people who have those stories who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I've got nothing for this. I've got nothing to bring to the table. Lord, I'm going to be clear and frank with, with you. And Lord, I need this in my life. And if you don't intervene, if you don't show up, if you don't move, if you don't do something, it's not going to happen because I've got nothing to give to this. Have you got there yet? What Jesus is inviting us into is that every day is every day we look at the day and go, Lord, I've got nothing for that, and I've got nothing for that, and I've got nothing for that. But Lord, you do. I'm not going to trust in chariots and horses because they will fall. They will collapse. Kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall. But for those who trust in the Lord, they will stand upright. So if you don't have confidence in God, then where is your confidence? What are you running towards? 
so as we consider what Jesus says in the model prayer, and we consider what was being requested on behalf of David in Psalm 20, here's some things we might need to consider. First of all, ask God with expectancy. If we're going to ask God for some stuff in our life that's wrong, then let's ask him with the expectation that he's going to do something. Do not let your prayer time turn into just rote saying words and checking boxes on a piece of paper. Don't let your prayer time, which is meant to be intimacy with the creator of this universe, don't turn it in or allow it to be turned into something where we're just reading off a list, checking the box, and running out of the house. All the while, we are bearing up under all this mess, and we've not even begun to ask God to help us with it. My goodness. I've done that very thing. That intimacy with Jesus talking with him and listening to him. is asking with expectancy, God, you're going to do something amazing with this. I don't know what it is. It may not even be exactly what I'm thinking it ought to be. But God, you're going to do something with this because I'm your son, I'm your daughter. You hear me and you've invited me to seek and ask and to knock. And you're not going to give me a stone if I'm asking for bread. Secondly, not only are we to ask God with expectancy, but let's ask God and then look for an answer. That seems rather simplistic, doesn't it? Do you know how many prayers God has answered in your life that you think he didn't answer? Because you haven't slowed down long enough to say, wait a minute. God answered that. That's why I think journaling is important. I think, I think right, I'm, still, I'm still getting used to the habit. I've, I've been doing it for a while now. But what that does is it says, God, I asked for this, and you answered that, and I, never, I was never even aware of it. I think one of the conversations we're going to have with Jesus up in heaven is, hey, uh, come here, son, let me tell you this. You prayed for this, and you prayed for this, and I answered that the first time you prayed for it, and you kept praying for it because you had no idea that I'd already fixed that. Let's ask with expectancy. Let's ask, let's look for an answer. But then let's expect an answer that may not be lining up with exactly ours. Remember what I said? Prayer is about asking God, but also accepting what he gives. You see, you may be asking for a serpent. You think it's, you think it's something good. You may be asking for a serpent and God's going, nope, I'm not going to give you that because that'll make a mess in your life. So you got to understand that as we make these requests to God, that we may be asking for a very bad thing in our life, and God's not going to give us a bad thing that's going to derail us. So he says no. Could be saying that, God could be saying, no, we're going to wait on that a while. I'm going to answer that, but I'm going to wait. Timing's not right. And then there are times God absolutely says yes. Even before you get up from praying, even before you get done with your prayer time, God has already answered it. God, listen, God has answered prayers in my life that I that he answered before I even prayed for it. I found out later. But we got to ask. Prayer is asking God for what we want, but accepting what he gives. Tim Keller said this, and I think it's a powerful statement. He said, God will give us what we would have asked for if we knew what God knows. Think about that. God and all of his power and all of his knowledge about our lives, if we knew what he knew, 
We would ask what God wants us to ask for. But God does know all the possibilities of our life. He knows exactly where our life is going. He knows tomorrow before we ever get to tomorrow. So oftentimes we ask for things because we don't have the full picture. And God just says no. Our God says, yes, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it right now. Even before you get up the point that I'm trying to make today in all of its simplicity is that you've got to ask for you. You have got to ask God for you, the desires of your heart, all that's going on inside of you. You have got to enter into that intimacy with Jesus where Jesus says, I've been waiting for you to ask about this forever so long, and I'm ready to do something about this. Just waiting for you to meet me and to make me the center of your life rather than running to horses and chariots. So what are you going to do this morning? You're going to trust in that thing, whatever that thing is, that has not brought any peace or joy in your life, and you're still carrying around those burdens that you were not meant to carry, or are you going to become intimate with Christ, be honest with Him, and simply ask for your daily bread? Father, in this moment, we are wrestling with what we're running to versus what we know to be true. So, Father, I pray that you would tear down any strongholds any facades that we have in our life that we think that those things are actually going to answer and meet our needs. There can be no other God in our lives but you. There can be no other authority in our life. So, Father, this morning, every single person here has something that they need to ask you about. And they've been relying on themselves. They've been doubting you. But right now, as part of this response, that we're finally going to reveal what you already know of what our needs are, and we're going to simply ask you for your help, your intervention, your power, your strength, your healing, whatever it is. But right now in this place, as part of the response, we are going to finally ask for ourselves. And we're going to trust you to answer. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand in this worship. Thank you for tuning in to this week's sermon. For more information about Hyde Park Baptist Church, please check out our website, hydepark.church, or on social media on Facebook and Instagram, at Hyde Park Baptist. 